0: Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, talented, And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not what. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Yeah. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dogster Presented by BetMGM. <laughs> And we are off on this Thursday edition of the Daily Tip. Rebecca, you up, presented by MGM. Great to have you along with us. Coming up on this Thursday edition, what happened last night on the hardwood in the NBA. We've only got one more game in college football to talk about, but it is a big one. A preview of Washington and Michigan comes your way at 620. At 640, a quick look at today's action in the association with only two games on the schedule. Just guides us through the 7 o'clock hour as we talk NFL playoffs and put together our show parlay. And then at 8 o'clock, BetQL's Chris Mack joins the show, followed by Mark Drumheller, host and betting analyst at Fantasy Life. And finally, we hear what the Dongster has to say at 845. Chelsea, how are you?
1: Good morning. I just realized I have not taken a single sip of my coffee. So I am running on natural fumes right now. Which I have no desire to be doing. I want to be caffeinated right now. So I need to drink some of this coffee. Uh, I'm wondering if Jinx has ever done a show with no caffeine. Uh, and Me? And Jinx is, is something. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on with Jinx. Oh, man. Today is off to a really hot start. Like I said, I haven't had any coffee. Um, but I will get going here in a minute. At least I'm starting to get used to going to bed a little bit. You know earlier because earlier in the week i yeah. think like all of us i was still getting used to you know the weekend schedule and the vacation schedule we we're going to bed late every single night now not the case i went to bed at a reasonable nine o'clock last night so i feel pretty good oh. uh, even though i haven't had a single sip of this coffee
0: have you ever gone through a show without any caffeine what's i've never done that in the history of the show i've had red bull i've had coffee I've done a lot of drugs, but I've never no I've but I've never done anything just clean slate for this show because I cannot get up. I just can't get my mind going this early. I have to have something in my system. But I feel like because you exercise a lot, maybe you have natural endorphins and you can just stay up and it's fine.
1: I think it's all mental because I think if you yeah. didn't have caffeine, you would still do the show. Like I think people do what they need to do. Uh, even if you don't have it, you know, like, you will do it. Uh, when we did the remote shows and when oh, you yeah. don't have any coffee That's in true. your hotel room, like, obviously, what am I going to do? Well, I didn't have caffeine. I'm not going to show up. Like, you still go. Like, you do what That's you need true. to do. It's the same thing as, have you ever left your headphones at home when you go to the gym and you're like, what am I going to do, not work out? Like, it sucks. Like, running on a treadmill with no headphones is absolutely miserable, but... Like, you do it. You get through it. And so, I mean, I think it's the same way with caffeine.
0: Oh, man. I just want everyone to know I got to take a breath on? here. There's nobody here in the studio but me. So as you're talking, I'm having to walk over to the audio board and then adjust my levels and then come back and talk to you. I think we got them right now. I started off the show hot. Came in hot this morning. You sound beautiful, Now I think I have it at the Jinx. appropriate level. You sound I'm, beautiful. I'm lucky I'm on the air this morning. I gotta be honest with you. I got some caffeine in my system. I'm working the audio board. Ooh. I might frame up the video differently. I might just put you on a one shot the entire show, Chelsea, and I'll just kick back and do what I want. I'm controlling everything. The today.
1: vibes, <laughs> the vibes right now are when you, you know, when you pull up to a fast food place and there's one person working and they're working yes. like the drive through audio and they're also having to make the food and you can tell they're trying their best but it's simply one person and there's a seven car line at taco bell at the time. And you're just like, man, I feel for this person. Cause like, there's nothing you could do. But again, one man trying to do seven jobs, it's pretty difficult. So at least you're not making like a crunch wrap Supreme right now.
0: That's true, ma'am, ma'am, the (laughs) McFlurry machine is broken. Do you want your fries or not? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I, I've got eight people behind you. you got to make a call here. I'm going to be that guy in the middle of the night, just angry at the world. But now I think we got it. Everything's good. So I'm going to take a little breather here, and I'm going to let you tell us about your perfect week thus far, Chelsea.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, perfect, but only 2-0. Uh, I had a college basketball play last night. Had Sanford minus eight and a half. Their win streak improves to 12. They have one of the longest win streaks in the entire nation and one of the better mid-major teams uh, in the nation as well. They beat UT Chattanooga 89 to 74. The line on this one was eight and a half. But Kim Mm Palm, I believe, had this game at 11. I think that's a pretty solid angle to start with. If you see a line that it's not matching Kim Kimpom or Bartorvik or whatever college basketball metrics site you use, I think that's a good jumping off point because that's been pretty nice for me so far. Eventually, it's going to come to an end, and there's some factor that the books saw here that made them shorten this line. Maybe it was the fact that Sanford had not played in a while. I don't think they had played since like December the 20th, but it's that time of year. A lot of schools are kind of dealing with the comeback from break rust but no rust here they scored 89 points and covered pretty easily so I will take that win with Sanford
0: do you always look at Ken Palm or the computer rankings when you do college basketball I was thinking about this this morning I have about two minutes every morning where I have an independent thought and I was like Chelsea has done so <laughs> good on these college basketball games <laughs> the smaller school basketball games so oh that looks like Starbucks that looks delicious right now
1: it's not so you can buy your own cups and trick your brain into thinking that you bought coffee oh do you do that i feel like it kind of works you know as (laughs) opposed to like drinking out of the mug that you're like god i have to wash the lipstick off of this afterwards in the dishwasher no you get your own little cups and it feels like oh "Oh, i just got this from a boutique coffee place when actually you just made it at home Uh, I know it's super wasteful because like, obviously these are disposable. I'm not going to put, you know, paper in the dishwasher, but still it's a fun change up.
0: Oh, okay. So my original (laughs) question was before I got (laughs) your, well, I got distracted by your coffee cup, but I assume, well, we've talked about it on this show. You tend to get better value on smaller schools, but do you always look at computer models or sometimes do you go with something that's in your gut? Are you Okay everything all right there
1: speaking of something in my gut i was just bragging about my coffee cups and then the lid wasn't on tight enough and i just dumped hot coffee in my lap again uh so that's what i get for bragging. uh but here's the thing about some of those smaller school lines it's not that necessarily you're getting more value it's just Mm -hmm. you have more things to choose from in college basketball And that's why I think it takes longer because you have to go through the entire slate. And that's what I was doing last night. Cause think about a normal college basketball slate that has like what? 35 games, something like that. I think it's a matter of you have more games to choose from so you can look for, I like taking home teams that are like relative favorites, like nothing over 10, usually somewhere in the like five to 10 point range. So, you know, they're, strong favorites but you're not asking them to cover double digits so that's the thing and you see this with baseball all the time too where Mm -hmm. you know when we have a full slate i feel like it's easier to find a good game simply because there are more games
0: yeah i agree with you there and it's paid off for you i went one and one last night but finally chelsea i got a win in the nba i was 0 three this
2: season
0: Yay, yay, I needed one. So, had the Knicks... Minus nine, taking on the Bulls at MSG. Knicks win by 16, 116-100. That was a dub. Also had the T-Wolves minus nine, hosting the Pelicans. That was a loss as New Orleans wins 117-106. Couple dubs for the Donkster as well. Had the Heat plus six and a half at the Lakers. The Heat went outright, 110-96. And then the Donkster also going with a smaller college basketball game. Laying 17 with Oklahoma State, hosting Chicago State. And the Cowboys win 17. Seventy-two fifty-three. 53 So for the week, Chelsea, you are a pristine 2-0. I'm 1-1, and the Donkster is 4-1, a winning week thus far. It is a daily tip from Beck UL presented by MGM. Great to have you with us on this Thursday edition. And let's get to what we saw in the NBA last night where the Pacers beat the Bucks 142-130. The Pacers getting 3.5 points. They were plus 140 on the money line at MGM. Total set at 257.5 half. We liked the over, or we said we liked the over, but the total was really high. Still hits. Tyrese Halliburton, pacing the Pacers with 31 points, 12 assists, and two rebounds. Six players in double figures for Indiana. They score 47 points in the third quarter and win their fifth straight game. Another day, another chance for Tyrese Halliburton to become a star in the association.
1: Oh, yeah. Tyrese Halliburton's on fire lately, I think. Uh, I need to see the stat here because I saved it because I thought it was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton, I think, in the last four games. Here it is. 66 assists to only four turnovers. I think that is the calling card for a good point card because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. look at the box score and they don't look at the turnovers, and they say they see guys like Trey Young who are, you know, dishing out the dime, scoring the points. But that's the more, most important stand up, stat of all: is not turning the ball over as somebody who is a ball handler. But speaking of, you know, Kryptonite man, the Bucks—they're owned by the Pacers. It's crazy. The Bucks only have ten losses this season, and I believe four of them are to the the Pacers. This is a team oh, wow. that absolutely can keep pace with the Milwaukee Bucks. This is the word problem that the Pacers sideline uh, guy tweeted out last night. In five games against the Pacers, the Bucks have four losses. In 29 games against the rest of the NBA, they have six. So if you can really? surmise what that is talking about, I think the bottom line is the Bucs do not want to play the Pacers when it comes to the playoffs. Like that is the one team they're probably praying yeah. that they don't have to face.
0: Oh, I'm going to start using the word surmise. That's a great word, Chelsea. You're right about that. Sometimes there's just a particular team. There could be an individual matchup. There can be a team, and some way they attach another team's weaknesses in a certain way, or they can keep pace. And you're right. They just happen to be someone's kryptonite. And for the Bucs, it is the Pacers. And also the Pacers are one of those few teams that can just score because that's what the Mm -hmm. Bucs do, right? The Bucs don't play a lot of defense. Neither do the Pacers. So if you want to get in a track meet with Indiana, go for it. At some point. Yesterday, Chelsea, let me be an old man for a second. How many games were there? There were an ungodly amount of teams that scored more than 130 points yesterday. Just across the board. At some point, some defense has to be played. The over was set at 257 and a hook in this game, and the over hit. And that's the norm this season. Am I being an old man? Do you just want to see offense and no defense? I'm not trying to get an 89-82 game here. But at some point, like, play some D, guys.
1: I don't know. I mean, the numbers will be adjusted by the books. It does feel bizarre looking at some of these scores. You think they're NBA All-Star games. Because uh, yeah. the ones you were referencing, Cavs beat the Wizards 140 to 101. The Bucks and Pacers 142, 130. Hawks and Thunder, final score of 141 to 138. Anytime the Hawks... The Pacers or the Wizards are involved, though. Like, that's the sign of no defense to be played. Uh, So it's not every single score, but I think there are some main teams that are, like, the main culprits who are always giving up a ton of points. And also, they play at a really fast pace. It's not just the defense. Mm. It's the, the, the fact that these teams really like to get up and down the court. So it's not just all, like, hey, they don't play any defense, which is part of it, but also they play really fast.
0: For the Bucks last night, Giannis with 26 and 11 boards. Damian Lillard adds 23 in the loss. Let's go to Minnesota with a Pelicans upset. The T-Wolves 117-106. The Pels were getting six points. They were plus 205 on the money line. Total set at 222 at BetMGM. The overhits. Zion Williamson. 27 points, four boards. C.J. McCollum adds 24 points, five assists. New Orleans wins its fourth straight game, ninth in its last 12. But how about the T-Wolves? This is the first time all season long they have lost two games in a row. They are the final team in the NBA with back-to-back losses. I was betting on that not taking place last night, but I took the L and the Pelicans going into Minnesota and pulling off a nice win here.
1: Okay, so do you believe in that back to back kind of conundrum saying, okay, if this is a good team, they're probably not going to lose back to back games because I think some people are saying that about the Bucs tonight. They're playing the Spurs and people are just saying, well, Mm -hmm. the Bucs aren't going to lose two games in a row, Uh, but it feels kind of dated or like it just doesn't feel like a great thing to base your handicap on because I feel like good teams can lose two games in a row. I feel like it could happen all the time.
0: Oh, yeah, it certainly can. I think it's just different for each and every single team. We'll look at that Bucs-Spurs game later on in the show, and I believe right now this line opened with the Bucks laying 9.5. But I like the over in that game, which might be one of my bets. But it just depends on the team because some teams, oddly enough, are very good on the back end of a back-to-back, and then some teams, as you might expect, are terrible on the back end. And if you have a bad team, that is generally not good on a back-to-back. That's when I really like to fade one of those teams. But I really think it is franchise and team specific. Coming up next here on this Thursday Morning Edition, college football gets ready to crown a national champion. We will preview Monday's game between Washington and Michigan. That is next on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by MGM. She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. We're coming back after this.
2: Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL network.
0: Welcome back on a Thursday. The Daily Tip you presented by BetMGM. I'm Michael Jenkins, live in the nation's capital. She is Chelsea Messenger, live in Nashville, Tennessee. Coming up in two minutes, who we like on the national championship game between Michigan and Washington taking place in H Town. Chelsea, we've talked about this before. Is it starting to set in? That sadness? It's January. Let me see if I can make you really depressed. It's January, nearly favorite month of the year. Uh,
1: <laughs> and Run, you Nailed did it.
0: it. You mentioned All January. sixth.
1: January. Yeah, January, the worst <sighs> month of the year. I think it really sat in, uh, sat in, set in. Last night when I was doing research mm-hmm. for the show and realized we don't have a Thursday night football game. What are we gonna do during yeah. the week? We don't have Monday night football. We don't have Thursday night football. We do have Saturday and Sunday football. Mm -hmm. But still, like those midweek games, I really like those. And I know we at least get a national championship game on Monday. So that's Mm -hmm. a little bit better. But they're playing it at 730. Come on. Why do we have to play all these games so late? i don't think i've ever complained about like tip-off times being so late until we did the show yeah. and i'm operating like a normal american on a corporate schedule like obviously we wake up earlier than most people but still like i used to be a quote-unquote like sports person that woke up at like 11 a.m and i was like what are these bozos complaining about you know if the game starts at 8:30, it starts at 8 30 but do you find yourself shaking your fist at the tv when some of these games start so late
0: I miss a ton of these games. I have to catch up via watching highlights in the morning, reading box scores, reading game recaps, looking at tweets. So I watch, but it's a different type of watching. It's watching and analyzing at the same time. So when you're just enjoying a game, you can kind of do that all at once, right? Because you're there Mm -hmm. for the duration. But for this show, I'm not going to stay up late and watch Heat Lakers so I can talk about it the next day. I'll read about it. I'll watch it so I'm informed about it and so I can have an informed conversation. But, yeah, it's weird to go from one part of your career where all I did was work late. At one time, I worked 1 a.m. live every night. And so I've gone to extremes where at the end of my career in TV, I was doing the classic, you know, 1030 anchor. But at one time, to get to that point, I took the L. And for two years, I did 1 a.m. live. And so I was getting home at like 2.30 in the morning, and I'm waking up around noon, and now it's just the opposite where I'm getting up between 3 and 4 every morning. So from one extreme to the other, I used to watch everything live, and now I watch very few things live. It's just such a weird switch.
1: It definitely is, but I try to stay up at least for a half of the big ones like the Mm primetime NFL games, like that's when I'm like, okay, I'll take a nap today because I do want to watch Monday Night Football. I do want to watch Thursday Night Football. And on Monday, I will want to watch the national championship game because it goes against every fiber of my being to go to sleep and be like, well, there's a national championship game on. I'm going (laughs) to snuggle up and not worry about it because I'm going to be box score checking because I really want to know. Obviously, we're both sports fans. So I wonder if other people will be complaining about this. Because people were complaining about this for the Texas and Washington game, uh, and I know mm-hmm. you were there live, so you, you know, probably didn't see the tweets and weren't checking your phone. But I think a lot of people were mad about this because you know this game started so late that a lot of people felt like they couldn't tune into the second half of what ended up being a really good game. So I'm kind of hoping that's not the case with this Washington and Michigan game. Hopefully, yeah. we can watch like a half of it. And at least get the gist of what's going on. But I feel like in college football, watching a half is never like indicative of how the game goes. Like in the NFL, no. you can kind of tell like there's never a team that sets foot on like the field in the second half. and like, whoa, that's a completely different team. <laughs> but in right. college, you never know what's going to happen. And I think a great example was the Michigan and Alabama semifinal. You see both these teams with great head coaches. Oh, they're going to be so prepared. They're going to be so ready for this moment. They play for big time schools. The moment's not going to be too big. And what do you know? In the first half, the moment looked absolutely too big for both of these teams. So college football, the ultimate stage for chaos. And I'm wondering if we'll see it in the national championship game.
0: I hope so. I will be staying up for this. I don't stay up for much now when we have Jinx's Netflix corner coming up in the spring. Maybe I'll stay up for some of those documentaries so I can talk about them on the show or whatever series.
1: When we don't have Monday Night Football or Thursday Night Football, Jinx's Netflix corner could be right around the corner. (laughs) Straight fire.
0: It's coming. It's coming. But I will stay up for Monday's championship game I will come in sleepy I'll come in on a bunch of caffeine because I have to watch the end of the season but what I was originally going to get to is is the sadness seeping and not just because it's January but because the college football season is over we still got some NFL I, I feel like you're more of an NFL person than I am I love the NFL but I really love college football so once the game is over on Monday night single tier just gonna be coming down the face I gotta wait go through another off-season all over again.
2: Well,
1: you already went through the pain of your team losing. So, like, isn't the season kind of over for you? Like, Yeah. Because you came so close. Because it's one thing for people like me. My team is NC State. Like, I'm like, no, the season's not over when NC State football ends. I am not naive (laughs) enough to think that. Uh, But still, I feel like Texas losing, like, it has to be at least – A small step down, like a small, you know, send off into, wow, this is really the off season. Well, you don't have Texas football to think about.
0: I guess that's true. It's all settling in now. This is the bargaining part of loss. So I'm bargaining on the air. I'm getting to acceptance. I'm getting there.
1: Got to the message boards. (laughs) (laughs) Check the message boards.
0: Check your message boards. You talk about that all the time. You love those, don't you? What's going to happen on Monday night, Chelsea? Let's look at the numbers right now. They have not changed overnight. Michigan is laying four and a half points. Michigan is minus 185 on the money line. Washington is plus 155. Total set at 55 and a half at MGM. Who is going to win and or cover this game in your opinion?
1: Okay, strategy question. When you have a strong mm-hmm. first impression on a game, how willing are you to stick with your guns? Because as soon as you see this line, isn't the initial reaction, they're giving Washington four and a half points again? What are we doing? Again? Did you see the line of last game? They're getting four and a half points. They won out right. So you were going to give this offense, Michael Penix Jr., these receivers, four and a half points mm-hmm. again, and you think this is a smart idea? That's my first reaction. So as much yeah. as I probably need to dive further into the numbers – when you see a game where you have a strong first reaction, do you stick with it or do you say, okay, I need to step back for a minute and really analyze this game?
0: I think for a game like this, it's important to delve into the numbers. I like Michigan and and I liked Washington against Texas. So I was not a homer in that contest. I even said on this show, I would take Michigan in the points, or sorry, Washington in the points because this is about, attacking a particular weakness when it comes to your opponent. When it comes to Washington, I knew the Achilles heel for Texas was that secondary, and Texas did not do a good job of pressuring Michael Penix. And as we've said on this show, if you give Michael Penix Jr. time, he will carve you up because he is an NFL quarterback who has three NFL receivers. The difference is Michigan is a completely different animal. Michigan has a more talented— secondary they will put pressure on Michael Penix that we did not see at the Sugar Bowl look at Jalen Milrow look how good he was after that Texas loss for the remainder of the season he was unbelievable and part of the narrative going in was how does Michigan slow down Jalen Milrow well they did because they brought pressure from different angles and because they have the talent to do it I think they have the talent in the secondary to disrupt Washington enough to win this game and not only that Chelsea Texas, even though Texas never led in the Sugar Bowl, which is crazy to think about, Texas could have won that game at the very end, as we saw. They could have won on the final play of the game. Never led in the game, but they were able to stay in it because the Washington defense and the Washington secondary just isn't that good. So what will Michigan do? Michigan will take advantage of the Washington secondary. Michigan will make enough stops on defense, I think, to cover this number. The thing about Michigan is they're just not sexy at all. They're not exciting. They line up and they just bowl you over. When you look at Washington, you say, oh my god, these receivers, Michael Phoenix. and all of those things are true. When you look at Michigan, what do you see? You see old khaki pants on the sideline. You think, ah, he's a cheater. And then they just run the ball. Blake Corum over the left tackle. J.J. McCarthy making some passes. They blitz you. But it's not necessarily an exciting jump off the page brand of football and so people tend to lean to the other side i think michigan is the best team in the country i've said that for weeks and i think they cover this number
1: well the main case against washington is they had over 400 yards of passing in that game against texas and nearly lost the game i think that's your sabotage factor the fact that michael Penix jr had an amazing game but yet it came down to the final play And again, they almost lost the game. So even if Michael Penix Jr. has a good performance here, which this line is kind of suggesting that maybe he doesn't, we're seeing a lower total here at 55 and a half. I think that's what kind of makes me a little bit nervous. But also, I feel like Michael Penix Jr. is on a different level than Jalen Milrow. I think he's a much better Mm -hmm. passer. Because isn't that... I'm not going to say it's the knock on Jalen Milrow, but I feel like he is somebody that kind of panics and runs first. Like maybe panic is a little bit too strong of a connotation, but you kind of get what I'm saying. Uh, Because I do think there's going to be much more pressure on Michael Penix Jr. in this game. Obviously Mm -hmm. you've got to get a hand in his face. You've got to do something to disrupt the rhythm that we saw against Texas. And like you said, we knew the, the weakness of Texas was their secondary. So maybe it's not the case for Michigan here, But I don't know. Sometimes we see a team like this that the market undervalues the entire season, and now they're getting four and a half points because there is a chance that they lose this game and still cover this number, especially when points are somewhat at a premium at 55 and a half. When you saw this total, what was your first instinct? Because I feel like this total is kind of correlated to Michigan and their defense Mm -hmm. and their run game. If you think Michigan kind of rules the roost here and controls the tempo – Feels like an under game. If you think that Washington can sneak a few by, you know, this Michigan secondary, mm-hmm. feels like maybe an over game. Uh, do you have a feeling? Do you think it is an under game since you like Michigan?
0: Yeah, I do. I think Michigan is better at the line of scrimmage, particularly on the defensive line. I think they're going to get pressure on Michael Penix. And you're absolutely right. Jalen Milroe is a not nearly as good of a passer as Michael Penix, but Jalen Milrow also presents a huge problem with his legs. Michael Penix does not. Penix can run. But he's not a running quarterback. So what you want to do with Jalen Milrow is you want to contain him and keep him from getting out of the pocket. With Michael Penix, you want to disrupt his timing. And so Texas was never really able to Michigan will be able to do that. And here's the thing. Michael Penix is going to get his. Those NFL receivers, Odunze and those guys, They will get theirs. There's no question about it. But all Michigan has to do is get some critical stops because I don't think Washington is going to be able to stop Michigan. And Michigan has the dogs on defense to get a handful of stops. If Texas could get a stop or two, one stop or two, maybe they win that game and they just couldn't do it. I think Michigan will be able to. And again, I just keep going back to the fact that everyone keeps saying the the book on Michigan all year long is well, this is really a team that hasn't played anyone. Michigan has not lost a game all season, and they have won every single game this season by at least six points or more. So they won by a touchdown or more in each and every single game this season. I'm just big on the Wolverines just because they have not gotten credit up to this point. And you look at Washington, and I initially I'm like, oh my God, Washington plus four and a half, Washington plus four and a half. I like Vegas is begging you to take that line, and I do think it's the Wolverines.
1: From a strategy standpoint, I think you try to look and see what the potential is moving forward because it felt like Washington played a really good game, and like I said, uh, Michael Penix Jr. threw for over four hundred yards, and yet they still lost. Then, or they mm-hmm. still almost lost, is what I'm saying. Uh, and then you look at Michigan. How many mistakes did Michigan make in that game against Alabama? And they still won. I think that's mm-hmm. the thing going forward. If Michigan can clean up some of those special teams mistakes, which they fe- I feel like they haven't had those all season long. It's not been like a pattern where, no. oh, my God, the special teams is at it again. Um, if they can clean up some of those mistakes, they'll look a lot better, and they will be yeah. able to control the tempo uh, with the line of scrimmage. So do you think they can clean up those special teams mistakes?
0: I think so. Alabama has a much better defense than Washington, so they will find it. J.J. McCarthy almost threw a pick on the very first play of the game against those Alabama DBs. It's going to be a different situation against the Huskies. I'm talking myself into Michigan, and I'm not bitter against Washington. They deserve to be Texas. They were awesome. I just don't think it happens on Monday. Coming up next, only two games on the NBA schedule tonight, but either of them, are they worth betting on? We'll talk about it next. Stay right there.
2: Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the daily tip presented by BetMGM. on the BetQL network. Let's get back to the daily tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL network.
0: Welcome back to the show on a Thursday. I'm Jake, she's Chelsea. In just a bit, guess what we'll do? We'll talk about the NBA, but only two games on the schedule tonight. Find out if there's any plays that we like in the association. I saw this story a couple days ago. I've been meaning to ask you about it. Mikael Bridges, who plays for the Nets, admits that he has eaten Chipotle every single day for 10 straight years. His quote, Uh, it's too fire. It's just too fire. Oh, my God. 10 straight years? That's more than $50,000 worth of Chipotle, if it's true. And you know what? I think I believe him. I was that guy at one time. I ate Chipotle every day or at least five times a week for probably five or six years. So I believe the man. Could you eat something every day at least once for a decade?
1: No, and this is definitely not true because Chipotle's not open every single day of the year, is it? Like, does he have a Chipotle I don't know. at his home? Like that commercial with Devonte Adams where they're like, "Devonte oh, Adams yeah. has a Taco Bell in his home. What kind of commercial is that? Um, no, he's not eating Chipotle every day. Um, Chipotle's good. And I used to be a huge believer in Chipotle. Like you, mm-hmm. it had its heyday like, what, five years ago? Chipotle was like the hot thing where everybody went to. Yeah. This was my... During work treat, because I worked the, you know, sports anchor hours where I came in at like 2 p.m. We would do the 6 p.m. show and then we'd have a little break in between the 6 p.m. and the 10 p.m. So I would go out and get myself dinner. So instead of bringing my lunch, like, you know, responsible dog, like I'm going to Chipotle and I'm getting (laughs) chips, damn it. Uh, So that used to be my treat. But here's the thing about Chipotle. It's only good if it's fresh. Like, you know, when you get there and the chicken's not warm and you can tell it's been sitting out there all day, the chips are stale. So a lot of it has to do with like the location, the workers and how fresh the food is. Sometimes it's really good. Other times it's very mid.
0: Oh, very mid. I love Chipotle. I love it. I've told this story before, but it's worth mentioning again because I did the same thing you did when I was in TV and I worked in Bethesda, which is just outside of D.C. I was someone who was always working on a show, so I never just took an hour break. I would just go grab my dinner from whatever was close and then come back, eat, get back to work, and Chipotle was right across the street, probably the closest restaurant we had, so every night, and I'm working the late shift, right? I'm trying to watch games. I'm on Twitter, the whole bit, so I run across the street, get my Chipotle, come back, and one day I'm going through... this woman who worked there all the time, she just looks at me with dead eyes as she's just scooping guacamole onto my burrito. And she goes, do you ever get tired of eating here? Do you ever get tired of it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sometimes. I just, I don't have a lot of time at night. So, and then I got really embarrassed and just slunk out the door. But she just looked at me coldly and asked me, You're, I mean, essentially, are you exhausted from this place yet? You're here. All the time. And then once, Chelsea, this happened to me too. When I had a different shift earlier in the day, I would go to California Tortilla. Because it was just down the street from where I lived in Cleveland Park here in D.C. So every day, it's right next to the Metro. I'd pop into California Tortilla. I'd get myself a quick meal. And then I'd get on the Metro and go to work. And I'd have my lunch before I started my shift. And then one day, randomly, in the mail, I got a box From California Tortilla. And let me tell you something. I open up that huge box. And it's tons of swag. And a letter that says, thank you for being one of our top 10 customers in the country. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I have to stop eating here. One of the top 10 customers. And it was like, you know, bumper stickers, t-shirts, free burrito cards. I'm like, I'm one of the top 10 in the country. And I believe it because I was there every day.
1: Ooh, top 10 in the country. should yeah. put that on your resume. Top 10 in that. the nation, in eating right, California burrito company. You could put that in really small print so people can't see that. Um, but let me play therapist for just a second. We mm-hmm. were just talking about how we both think we have addictive personalities. This yes. feels like a case of it. If you really like something, it feels like when you have an addictive personality, You really like something. Is this, you think, attributed to that part of your personality? I think it might be.
0: Yes, no question. If I like something, I like it. And I'll just get it again and again (laughs) and again and again. I'm like, this is great.
2: (laughs) I'm I'm
0: trying to go for number one. I'm a little insulted that I wasn't top five, frankly. (laughs) I'm going for the gold. Yeah, and and then sometimes I'll snap out of it and say, like, all right, let's switch it up. Let's switch it up. When I would go to the Bethesda Deli on the way to work, I had it timed out because I would get the same thing every day, Chelsea, when it was a different time. So there was, like, years I would do California tortilla. And then, okay, then I was on my Bethesda Deli kick. I swear to God, I would call during Metro stops when I got reception. They would pick up, and they would say, Michael, same thing. I would say, yes, Click. And I could make that order within two to three seconds. And I did it every single day. And then when I got there, I'd walk in, I'd pay, my order would be ready, and I'd go to work. And I did that forever. So yes, once I get locked into something, it's hard for me to turn away. I sound like a total psychopath right now.
1: I think this is actually more relatable than somebody who would say, I have not eaten the same meal once in an entire calendar year. Because humans are creatures of habit. I feel like a lot of people abide by like these same principles where we don't want to order something new when we go out to eat because we want to go with oh reliable that we know is going to be good mm-hmm. so i feel like this is actually more relatable like do you know anybody that is actually spontaneous enough to where if they said something like oh like i will never eat the same place within the span of two weeks i feel like that's actually less relatable
0: i agree with that even the lovely catherine every sunday She goes, oh, every Sunday I get my Sunday salad. Is it called a Sunday salad? No, it's not. But she calls it the Sunday (laughs) salad. And she gets her specific salad from a place here in D.C. every Sunday night. Because that's her little treat. I get my Sunday salad every Sunday. And now I get my Sunday wings every Sunday. So we just order it together. And do it every Sunday evening and watch Netflix or whatever before I go to bed. And so, yeah, I think you make a good point. It's more relatable. I feel like more people are like this than not.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, did you say Miles Bridges or Miles Turner?
0: Oh, I, uh, Mikhail Bridges.
1: Mikhail Bridges. Okay. So, yes. big difference there. Because I was about to say, yes. oh, Miles Bridges. He's got more going on. Uh, so, Mikhail Bridges, mm-hmm. actually more relatable than the headline, may insist, even though I do think it's a lie.
0: <laughs> it, it probably is. He's the <laughs> new age Wilt Chamberlain. Okay, Chelsea, only two games on the schedule tonight. <laughs> we have the Nuggets at the Warriors. Do you have a play in this game? The Nuggets are laying two and a half. They're minus 145 on the money line. The Warriors are plus 120. Your total at BetMGM MGM is 234 and a hook. I hate this game. I am not betting on this game because I cannot find a trend that I like. I feel like the number is too short. Nuggets are 7 and 11 against the spread on the road, the Warriors are 7 and 11 against the spread at home. Like, maybe Nuggets money line minus 145, but when I see a line this short, it makes me scratch my head a little bit, so this is probably a stay away for me.
1: I think there's no factors that I really love in this game, Um, because Mm -hmm. you look at the Warriors, they're kind of middling this year. They're a good team, but so are the Nuggets, but the time you want to play the Nuggets is when they're playing at home so yes this line seems a little fishy maybe it's just built into the fact that people love betting on the Warriors and still banking on the fact that Steph Curry is a part of the squad because uh, you look at the Warriors they've dropped three of their last four games they have not been on a tear as of late so when you see a point and a half spread here that's basically pitting mm-hmm. or excuse me two and a half point spread here basically picking a winner mm, red flag here I don't think I'll be playing mm-hmm. this one either
0: yeah, it is a stay away for this guy, and I just don't trust it at all. It's like last night when I saw the Thunder as a super short favorite, a point and a half favorite against the Hawks, and everything just screamed thunder. I was like, mm, I don't know about that. Hawks won that game outright. In San Antonio, we talked about this at the top of the show. Bucks are visiting the Spurs. The Bucks are laying nine and a half. The Bucks are minus 450 on the money line of Adam GM. The Spurs are plus 340. Total set at 249 and a half chelsea what is the play for the people here
1: who it's hard to make a case for the spurs the only thing going in their favor is the fact that milwaukee's playing a back-to-back against a team that clearly has their number do you think there is an angle fading teams coming off i'm not going to say emotional games but games that Mm -hmm. feel like they mean a little bit more because that was the angle going against oklahoma city uh, last yeah. night is that the night before they played against the Celtics in a game that felt like a playoff preview or a game that you know, both sides kind of wanted to see where they measured up against the best in the NBA. So maybe that's the only thing going against the Bucks here because they are sizable favorites here, nine and a half point favorites on the road. but the Spurs have been just so bad. Like I know mm. Wimby gets the headlines and people love to talk about him, and he is improving. But still, as a team, the Spurs are not good. They have won one game of their last 14 when playing at home. So home court advantage, not so much when playing in San Antonio. So I just can't find a way to back the Spurs. It's a large number of bucks coming off of back-to-back, but still, I think I'd still side with Milwaukee.
0: I think I'm going to bet the over here. Now it's 249 and a half, but these are two huge over teams. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Bucks, second best over team in the league. They hit it more than 64% of the time. Spurs right behind them, they hit more than 63% of the time. Also, you mentioned back end of a back to back for the Bucks. Maybe that means tired shooting legs. I think it means even less defense, and they already don't play any defense. And believe it or not, on the back end of a back-to-back, the Bucks 4-0 to the over this season. I think the over is the right side at 249 and a hook. Coming up next here on the show, we will talk the final week of the regular season in the NFL and play trust or distrust. She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. It is the Daily Tip for VQL presented by BetMGM. Hour 2 coming up next.